Hello and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.iamwomanproject.com.au. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favourite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at I Am Woman Project and Facebook. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today we have the beautiful Monica Cage, the storyteller. Monica is the director of The Moment HQ, a storytelling platform for professionals and businesses which specializes in the human story. Monica has over 12 years experience in publishing, media and entrepreneurship. She is inspired by the human spirit, creativity and connecting people to their dreams. Her philosophy in life is to share the feeling that moves her. She does this by weaving together words that reach into an individual's heart, interviews or illuminates another's work and shares this with the world. In 2007, she began her successful online ventures, Mink Magazine and Career Confessions, through which she has interviewed hundreds of the world's entrepreneurs, business and sports professionals, thought leaders and celebrities on how they got to where they are in their career and lots more. So sit back and tune into the show. Welcome, Monica, to I Am Woman Project. How are you today? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? I'm very, very good. So we're just having a little bit of a conversation about what you do, so I thought we can sort of deep dive into that. Would you like to explain to our listeners what Monica Cade is all about? Sure. So I guess, well, what I'm about, more my business is The Moment HQ, and it's a storytelling platform for professionals and businesses, which specializes in the human story. And so I work with professionals and all kinds of businesses and help them produce uh, sound bites and videos, which are kind of like podcasts almost, talking about their personal story or their core business messages and they really help to engage their audience and connect to their audience in a more authentic and interactive way. I just love that. That's why I wanted to get you on the show, just the whole storytelling platform. So I'm curious, how did you get into this field of, of, uh, of work or what was that focus for you? Mm, it's one of those things that I think found me. I have been interviewing since I was ooh, maybe 18 years old and I had an online magazine just after I was in uni and I wanted to do something and not be at uni and and that the idea for a magazine came to me and this was when online magazines weren't around at that point in time and so I did that and I told a good friend of mine at the time and he jumped on board as the creative director and we ended up launching that in Sydney and Melbourne and we 
for two years, I think. And it was very successful. It was for emerging talent in the creative arts. And it was at that point in my life that I really discovered that great writer and how much I really loved interviewing people. And so from there, like it's just naturally always been part of what I've done over the years. So would it be fair to say that writing comes naturally to you? Did you do any studying to write or were you one of those people that read lots of books or how did you get into writing? To be honest, I would only, oh, I think it was a natural ability of mine throughout school. I was always a good reader and writer, but I never thought about being a writer. And it was only during that magazine experience where I realized that it was a very natural thing for me. So yes, I find that it comes very easily to me. And how do you, what would be your style? Like, how do you get into the writing? Do you have a structure or process or do you just allow it to flow through you? I just allow it to flow through me. I tend to write a lot about people. So for me, it's very easy. Like I'll connect with the person and then, you know, I'm able to connect with that, whatever I want to share with the audience after that. And if I'm writing blogs or things like that, they'll come from some sort of inspiration, which it could be from an experience I've had with somebody, a conversation, or maybe it's just being out in nature and something hits me that I've been pondering on. And that's kind of the basis for most of my writing. So Monica, for our listeners, if they want to engage with you because they want um, your assistance in in building that story, what are some of the questions you ask them to really tap into their story? I've been told that I ask some tricky questions. Uh, One of the questions I ask people is, what's your life-changing moment? A lot of the people that I work with come to me and they feel like they don't have a story. They may already have a business and they might have, for example, an about page, but they might not be clear on what their personal story is or even their business story. So I'll ask them what their life-changing moment is or I'll ask them what they want their audience or their clients to feel when they come to their website or come to work with them. And I mean, those two questions are quite, if you stop to really sit down and answer them, a lot of people actually get stumped a little bit because you have to actually stop and go, oh, well, what is my life-changing moment? And it doesn't have to be some hugely significant thing that happened to you in your life. It could be an epiphany or one of those aha moments and it could have been off something quite small. So those are two questions that I do ask. I love that, especially when you're talking about uh, what emotion do you want to elicit from your customers or what do you want to bring out. It's it's a tricky one. Like when I think about what is it that I want to connect with when it comes to that emotion piece and for me it's inspiration and it's interesting because when you link it back to uh, some of the stuff that I write, I wonder if it's in inspirational at all or is it just content that's information that I'm sharing? So that's really, they're both really good questions. Mm, thank you. So, Monica, what drives you? What makes you jump out of de- uh, bed in the morning? I love being able to wake up each day and get to talk to people and connect with them and hear their stories. I'm so inspired by them and I learn something different from them each day and just knowing that I get to do that and it's something that I just love so much, that is such a cool thing for me. Um, Also probably, you know, just waking up each day, I live by the beach. So for me getting up and going to see the ocean every single day, that is just my heaven. 
So I look forward to that each day as well. You're not a water sign by any chance. I am. <laughs> are you? What are you? A cancer. Oh, Pisces. I was going to say it's 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 quite common where you hear water signs talking about living by the water and wanting to be in the water, and so that's uh, why I asked the question. Yeah, absolutely. I know it's great. Beautiful. So, with the benefits of hindsight, what would you have done differently in your life or career? It's funny. I don't feel there's a lot of things that I would have done different differently. There are some things like just for fun that I would have done differently. For example, as we discussed being a water sign, I always wanted to learn to surf. However, I think my first like real drive for that came when I was about 16, but I didn't really have anyone to teach me and I didn't pursue it at that point in time. And then it was only probably when I was 24 or 25 that I started learning. And now I think I wish that I learned that sooner and I do think that because as we get older, we get a bit more people around things and we know the things that can happen to us. And I guess for me, the beautiful thing in observing my thoughts around that is that it's something that, you know, I need to face. It's like my little fears, you know, of of waves and things like that. And, you know, committing myself to going out and practicing and all those things then translate into my business and personal life as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say I have I have considered surfing and I used to love going to the back beaches here in Melbourne and watching surfers, you know, in the water and just think, oh, I'd love to do that. But I think I've been tainted by Jaws because every time <laughs> I get in the water, if I can't see the bottom, I can still hear dun-dun, 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 dun-dun-dun. Even in, I remember after seeing that movie, I was even too scared to get in the pool. Yeah, I, to be honest, I don't think I've actually watched the whole thing before purely because I didn't want to put that in my head. No. And if I'm out in the water, sometimes the thought does come to my mind. However, I usually just take my attention off it or if it starts to play on my mind too much, then I get out because then, you know, sometimes it's a sense thing too. Sometimes your body intuitively can tell you things whether, you know, there's something beneath the surface or not. <laughs> I agree with that. I had an experience where I actually uh, went to Hawaii and my husband organised a trip to swim with the dolphins mm-hmm. and I thought it was going to be something really basic but they actually dump you in the middle of nowhere in the water so you've got nothing around you and there was like – it seemed like I'm sure there's only 36 or 32 dolphins, but it seemed like hundreds. But having all those fins, just feeling that energy was the most amazing experience. I was petrified, I have to admit, but the most yeah. amazing experience. And I was in awe with their presence and their energy. So, you know, I think that, you know, and even as an adult now, when I actually have looked back at uh, Jaws, it's so fake. It is so fake. It's, it's, it's really funny how, you know, we have this imprint that we carry for the rest of our life and it's not till you go back there with, you know, adult eyes, you look back and go, I can't believe I was scared of that. Yeah, exactly right. And it's kind of good to notice those things though because sometimes we carry those things so much in our lives and it might, I mean, that it's a film in this example, but it could be something else, you know, something happened to you as a kid or whatever and you carry this story through your entire adult life and then you've sometimes got to just check yourself and go hang on a second like is this true or is this just being influenced by something that happened to me earlier Mm, yeah absolutely and it's it's interesting how sometimes some of those thoughts can stop us doing the very thing that we want to do Mm, absolutely right yeah 
So, Monica, what's the greatest lesson that you have ever learned? It's a tough one, but I would say that being present is the key to moving through anything that we face in life. And that's easier said than done because when we're up against big challenges or emotional or physical or, you know, in the workplace, it can be really hard not to buy into fear or listen to what the thoughts are telling you consistently. So for me, just practicing presence every single day and being as present as I can in each moment, regardless of what's happening and just bringing myself back to the moment, that's probably the greatest lesson I've learned. So when you're talking about being present, so say, for example, I'm uh, having a conversation with some somebody and something comes up and somebody rubs – nobody can make you feel anything, but something mm. rubs me up the wrong way, for example, and I'm highly emotional at this stage. Is that being present with my emotions? I guess it's how you respond to those emotions. If you react, so say anger, a fiery anger comes up and you lash out at that person, you're reacting rather than, you know, feeling those emotions. I guess, you know, when anger comes up, you can still experience it but observe it rather than actually act it out. So then you're present to it. Yeah, I agree. And I think that being an observer, I was ask, I was asking the question because I was curious because everyone deals with emotion or being present in such a different way. And I think for me, if you become the, the observer, you don't become the emotion. Exactly right, yeah. And you, you can actually do something with it because you're almost uh, disassociated with the emotion. And therefore, when it comes up, I'll go, oh, that's an interesting feeling. Mm, and I, yeah. don't, I, I would rather not even give it a label because as soon as I say, it's angry or I'm angry. And it's funny, just the other day I was with my kinesiologist and she said, play out anger. And I could not tap into anger. Mm. I could not tap into it. So it, it's, it's, um, it's interesting. As soon as you label something, you could become that very thing. Yeah, exactly. It's just about noticing what we're feeling. I think in our day and age, a lot of people are disconnected from themselves and we kind of just want to feel happy all the time. We want to feel good. And so we get away from whatever is going on inside of us and we medicate and eat and do all these other things to distract ourselves from what we're actually feeling. But if we could just observe it and become more comfortable with the things that come up and like you said, just disassociate from that and just watch it, it naturally takes its course and dissipates. And generally you, you, you kind of grow through that period and then the next time it happens, you respond so differently. Yeah, I know because I'm sure we've all had that experience where we have, and it is all about how you react to anything, uh, but I'm sure we've all had situations where we've said something or reacted in a certain way and it's not till later on you go, oh, maybe I could have done that one a little bit different and probably got a different response. Mm, yeah, totally right. Yeah. Um, so what advice would you give your younger self? Ooh, I would say trust what you feel in your heart, even if you don't know how it's going to happen or how you are to make it happen. And even if everything around you is saying it's not going to happen, just trust in what you feel. Mm. And that's 
I guess for me in my career, I never really knew what I wanted to do. I was always searching with what I wanted to do. And I had this feeling inside of me and that's what I just kept following. And it would lead me in different directions. And of course, my parents at the time, like, you know, you need some, you need to have a backup, you need to know what you're doing and that kind of a thing. And while they're also very supportive in a sense of us exploring what we wanted to do in, in life, that was totally fine. But, you know, as parents, I'm sure that, you know, they were still very nervous too. And I could feel what I wanted to do. I didn't quite know how it was going to take place or what exactly it was going to look like, but naturally it started to unfold. And I think if I had trusted that more so in the beginning I think I probably would have well it's hard to say I can't say I probably would have taken less little detours I may still have but I've just noticed I think that I would have um been stronger in following my heart at that point but it's all a lesson I think and sometimes that's a bit hard to do, following your heart, because sometimes your mind gets in the way. So, you know, it's that logic mindset where it's like, should you be doing this? You know, is this the right thing to do? And then in your heart's like, yes, I really want to do this. And you're kind of having a battle between your mind and your heart. Do you experience that? Yeah, I do. I find nowadays less and less. However, of course, it still happens. And if that does occur what I find the best thing to do is just leave whatever it is that I'm you know in my head and heart at with and come back to it and I will naturally find the answer because when you try to work it out because sometimes after a while like you initially you feel the first feeling you're like yes that's what I want to do and the mind comes in and then you're like oh um no I'm not sure about this and like can I do this and oh is it going to cost this or all these different stories come in to try and sway you and then sometimes you just get too confused. So it's like anything, like take a walk, go meditate, um, do something that you love that's going to take your mind off it and I think naturally that first feeling comes back to you. Yeah, it's that it's that gut feeling is intuitively the first thing and it's with anything. There's so many times where I myself have, have had this gut feeling about somebody or something and I've just ignored it and gone with it anyway and, you know, months down the track, you know, I'm in a situation where I'm no longer doing business with this per- person but I would have known right from the start that my, if I had listened to my feelings and intuitively connected with that, I would not have put myself through that situation. Mm, I know. And and it's, and then you kick yourself sometimes because you're like, I knew that. Why did I not listen to myself? But again, it's another just lesson to, I guess, remind ourselves to go with our heart. Yeah. And we do that so often, don't we? Like, I think it just it's just natural. I think probably even more so than in women than men that we just don't listen to that instinct, that gut feeling. And when we're talking about intuition, it's you know it, there's 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 research that says it's a little bit higher in women. Why is it that we ignore it? I think it's a good question. I think to be honest, it comes down to how connected you are with yourself. I think when you get to know yourself and trust what you feel over the thoughts in your head, you eventually follow that more often. But I feel like if it's something that 
you haven't been doing for most of your life, it's going to take some practice. And to then, and the practice is because you've got to build that trust in yourself that, you know, when you're going to follow through with the thing that seems so scary. Because in the first, it might be, for example, to launch a business and, you're the first, you might feel the feeling and be like, yes, this is what I'm going to do. And then the next thing is you're like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And, and I, I don't know anything about, you know, setting up websites, for example, or, you know, all these other things come in and they're the things that start to detract us. And then I think that eventually is what sways people away from following it because it, it becomes too much in your head rather than, you know, you just got to step back from it again. Mm, Did that answer the question? Oh, yeah, no. And as I connected the whole trust piece, it's for me the trust piece is big. It's, it's, you know, there's so many times where I may have said to myself, okay, Monday I'm going to start exercising three days a week. Monday Mm. comes. You know, oh, it's it's cold. It's I'm not going to do. You know, I'll find little excuses that 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 inner voice that makes up every excuse under the sun, and then mm. I don't do it. So then I let myself down. So when the next time I say I'm going to do this, I can almost being the observer of my mind, hear myself going, "Yes, Catherine, you have said that last month and the month prior to that." So then there's that lack of trust, and so. And that lack in belief in what you say and what you feel. So I think for me, it's 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 that trust piece is what you were talking about. It's big. Yeah, absolutely. And what you're saying is totally correct. And that lack of following through on you know exercising is truly then what you you stop believing in yourself. So and you can turn it around. It just means you've just if you've done that for so long, you've just got to try again with whatever the thing that you want to go and do is, and just follow through this time and keep following through it's just a practice it's like a muscle you've just got to keep using it and eventually you're going to follow through yeah I think the way for me to get through that is would you do that with a customer or somebody else would you tell them you're going to do something and let them down absolutely not then why Mm. do I do it for myself and it's that whole self-love self-worth self-respect it's it's a a really deep love thing going back Mm. to that heart that we're talking about yeah, I think another part to it is is finding out. Sometimes I feel like we make decisions, or let's just use the exercise part because we've been discussing it. But say you say to yourself, "Yes, I'm going to exercise three times a week." I find that sometimes we don't follow through on things because we haven't fully decided for ourselves. Sometimes we don't do it for the right reasons or we do it because we haven't been feeling good about ourselves or we want to trim up or or anything like that and sometimes that's just not a good enough reason like it's got you've got to have your whole heart in your decision when you make it I feel and if it's not that's when we tend to fall off the bandwagon or we start and then we stop but when you make a full wholehearted decision I'm sure the listeners will have at least one time in their life where they've made a full heart decision and nothing stood in their way. They just was like, yep, I'm going for it. And it didn't matter what challenges came up, they still went through because they were committed. And I think that's that's how you've got to decide and then that's when you end up following through as well. Yeah, it's so true. And I think that when I – and I do I do talk about this all the time with my customers that um, it, it's really important that when you set yourself a goal or you make a decision, whatever that may be for you, is you know, for example, let's stick to the exercise thing, I know what 
I want to do. I want to become uh, more toned. I know how to do it. I need to exercise it, but I don't know the why. And I think the why is getting to the heart of the matter. It's that driver or the unconscious driver that makes us do the things that we want to do without thinking or second guessing ourselves. It just happens for us. And I think for me, I need to get into the why is it that I want to do that, that driver uh, for me, maybe not to let myself down. Yeah, exactly right. And it's a bit of trial and error, I think. You know, I I recently also wrote a book called Change in One Moment and it talks a lot about this and it's about how, how health starts in your mind. And I feel like in a lot of today's resources and the people that talk about health out there, not everyone, but a lot, it's all about your physique and your nutrition and what a lot of people leave out is the mind component. And I think when you finally make a decision, like we were talking about before, wholeheartedly, and you follow through and all those things and you observe yourself through the process, that's when everything kind of comes together. And there may be times that you do fall off the bandwagon, but when you're observing yourself and then like, you know, you said, asking yourself why. So like, you know, getting to understand how your brain works and and rather than beating yourself up, exploring why this has happened and really learning to understand yourself. I think that's when we end up following through too. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. That's so true. So Monica, who's been your greatest influence? Well, I would have to say my friend Gazale Lowe, who runs Academy of Intuition, and also her brother Amir Zogi, who his business at the time was Be Free People, but it's now just Amir Zogi. And they both work with teaching individuals self-awareness and they do that through various programs and for me I think it was years ago now I met Amir and went through some of his programs and it just really changed my life and that's where I really started to my journey of self-awareness I think naturally I've had that throughout my life and from a very young age but I feel like that's where I really dived in deep and and that's where my you know greatest lessons of being present came from as well. So when you're talking about self-awareness, you're talking about tapping into your thinking, your feeling, what exactly do you mean by self-awareness? Yeah, so self-awareness is really being able to observe yourself, know yourself, see why you do the things that you do and, and being able to respond to the world rather than just be in reaction to your thoughts so self-aware is just you know you're aware like we're aware of the environment around us so self-awareness comes down to just being aware of yourself and your inner world as well yeah I always ask that question I love it because everyone has different insight into what self-awareness is and it is really about tapping into all of that what you're talking about yeah it is a tricky tricky um definition I suppose yeah oh it is and I mean sometimes when I ask somebody I mean what's self-awareness to you they might just say just being in touch with my feelings could be as simple Mm. as that but it you know everyone has there's so much depth in self-awareness that's why I was curious as to uh what was it that you got out of the retreats and the programs Mm. sounds fascinating I have to look that up Yeah, for sure. So we always ask our women of inspiration to choose one word that best describes their personal brand. So what would be that one word for you? For me, it would be storyteller. So that's what I do every day. I I tell people stories and 
it's what I love, you know. I feel like that encompasses who I am in a way. Of course, there are lots of facets, but I think Storyteller would be the number one. Oh, I just love it. And it's so you, I was expecting you to say Storyteller. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. So, Monica, what we do as we wrap up the show, at the end of every show, we always ask our women of inspiration to share three gold nuggets with our listeners. So what would be your top three gold nuggets that you would like to share with our listeners? All right, let's see. So number one, I would say is you can only move through life moment by moment, which ties back nicely to what we were talking about, about being present. You really can't go any quicker than the moment. So just slow down. And the second one would be don't make things personal. I think for a lot of my life, I would take things so personally. And I guess a few years ago, I recognized that I would do that. And so it became my practice to just catch myself out each time that I did. And and slowly that's gotten so much better. How, and I just think, you know, we can be so much happier when we don't think, take things personally because a lot of the time people say things and it's just a reflection of how they're feeling and things like that. So we don't need to take that on board. Okay. And the third one I would say is you always have a choice. I think sometimes we can be in a really tough spot and it feels like we don't have a choice, but if we can just stop and slow down we and breathe and just get ourselves out of our head, even taking those steps is, is making a choice to not buy into the head and the thoughts and just be in the moment with whatever is happening. I just love that. I was just I was actually facilitating a group today and I was speaking about we always have a choice. So it is your choice to have a good day or a bad day. It is your choice to be happy or sad. Every morning, the moment you wake up, the moment you open your eyes, it is your choice as to what kind of day you're going to create for yourself. And I think that's a really important key because it's so empowering understanding that if you decide to have a bad day, that was your choice. Yeah, exactly. And I know sometimes you have the greatest intentions to have a good day or sometimes, you know, I've caught myself out being like in a very, uh, am I allowed to kind of swear? Yeah, <laughs> go for it, Monica. In a, in a crappy mood and you tell that you're in it and you know that you have a choice to stay stuck in this or you can choose not to be in it. But sometimes it is really, really hard and sometimes you cannot pull yourself out. However, that being said, I think acceptance in those moments is also the real key. And I think when you're aware of how you're feeling, you recognize that, okay, I know this isn't the most, uh, what's it called, the most desired base to be in, but I'm here. And so I think the moment we stop fighting the feelings of unhappiness or discontent, the sooner we kind of come out of them and we can be happy again. I just love the fact that you kind of set the scene. I thought you were going to use a big swear word. We've had much worse words. Than that. You're so gorgeous. <laughs> no, That's I wasn't hilarious. going to swear too much. I just, I thought crappy's, crappy's okay because it's yeah. not really swearing, but no, I thought I'd check. <laughs> it's not. And, you know, I, listening to what you were saying, I find that the times that I um, maybe find myself in that situation is when I'm focused too externally. 
So mm. when I've, you know, feel like it's calling it a crappy day, I think that I'm too focused and externally in what's going on that I forget to tap into what I want to create. Because at the end of the day, the the intentions that you set for yourself in the morning, you've got the right mindset. You're setting yourself an intention. You're going to have a good day. And yes, things happen. You know, I talk about shit happens. And things do get in the way and happen. But it's once again, it's how we react to it. And I think that the only time I tend to react to things is when my focus is externally. But I also notice that when I don't react to things, it's because I'm in my own skin and I'm like choosing not to respond or react to this. Mm, I think you've nailed it. I agree. (laughs) And I love the whole piece about don't make things personal because I think in my younger days, I used to take everything personal. What have I done to make this person unhappy? What have I done to create this person to react this way? But in actual fact, as I've gotten older and I understand that perception is projecting projection that sometimes an individual is just having a bad day because of whatever is going on in their mind and this is how they show up it has nothing to do with me mm, exactly right and yeah I think I agree with you the older we get I feel like that seems to be a common thread and I've you know spoken to my grandmother about it one time and I said you know, you seem so resilient and so like nothing phases you. Have were you always like that, or is that something that's developed over time? And and she said that she feels that she's kind of had that most of her life, but it definitely has developed over time. So I think, yeah, as we get older, we just kind of don't take as much crap from people. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, quite often I think to myself, if only I had this knowledge and wisdom when I was younger, I would have done things so differently. But that's part of life, isn't it? It's all about mm-hmm. learning and and it's all about those lessons that we take on board. Yeah, exactly right. So, Monica, how do our listeners find you? You can connect with me via my website, themomenthq.com, or you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook, which are both The Moment HQ, and also at Monica Cade for Twitter. I love it. I'm going to ask you, how did you come up with that uh, company name? I love it, The Moment HQ. Oh, I'm trying to think. I'm not entirely sure now where it originally came from because what happened was I was going to start The Moment Oh, it's coming back to me. I was going to start the moment as a interview event series type thing. So I would interview people live and it would just be an event series that happened, I don't know, once a month or something like that. And so I launched it, but it didn't work out. And I didn't feel like I was wrong in doing that, but I left it and I thought, I think it feels like the timing's just off. And so I left it for about half a year or something. And then at the end of last year, I think it was, I had this feeling of like, I, I wanted to start a new business and, you know, incorporate interviews and, and podcasts and things like that. And I kind of kept searching and searching. And then I had already had the logo and everything designed for the moment events. And then it kind of hit me. I was like, oh my gosh, why don't I just call it the moment HQ and use what I have? Like it was already there just waiting for me to rediscover it. I love it. Absolutely love it. So Monica, thank you so much for your time and your energy. It's been an amazing two women 
having a heartfelt conversation and I'm sure our listeners are going to love this interview or conversation, I should say. So thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. You are most welcome. Thank you. That brings us to the end of the show. If you have any questions, please send us an email to jennifer at iamwomanproject.com.au or Twitter at iamwomanproject and we will get right back to you. If you were listening to this podcast on iTunes, please make sure you leave a review or rating about the show. We would love to hear your thoughts. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next time, please take care.